we want, we're happy that you're here with us, and we're thankful that, you, uh, that you've chosen to spend this last workshop with us. We're going to be talking about um, seven secrets to uh, having a happy home. Is that what you Can I get Are those two? Thanks. Yeah, it's different from the way it's written in the seminar thing, but the, your handouts have it right. Seven secrets to a happy home. We just changed the title last minute. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing though, guys. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> so we wanna talk about seven uh, secrets that we've uh, seen work in, in our homes and in the homes of other people that we wanna share with you uh, today. And if you're wondering why we have, I'm holding this like this, like a little box, it's just um, the cool way of doing microphone systems now. So that's why we have it. We're, we have a progressive seminar track here, all right? Okay, why don't we go ahead and start with the word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful that you've given to us homes and we're thankful that you've given to us happiness. Be with us now, Lord, as we seek to merge these two together. Give us your spirit and help us, Lord, to find ways in which we can strengthen the bonds of love that you've given to us through our spouses and our, our children. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Just to uh, give you guys a little bit of a heads up, we have some people that have been here that haven't been here in, the, in other seminars. Uh, my name is Israel, this is my wife Judy, and um, we're, we've, we've been married for a little under five years, and uh, they asked us to share this seminar, and we said, why in the world do you want us to share a seminar? There's people that have been married for like 100 years that can do a better job. And they said, no, we want to know uh, firsthand, you know, things not to do, and that's probably where you're at right now, so why don't you share with us? <laughs> so, um, so Judy and I, we sat down uh, together, and we identified three, three, uh, three basic topics that we wanted to share with you. The first one that we wanted to share with you was uh, yesterday. We talked about foundations of a spiritual home, of an Adventist home, what, 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 uh, what constitutes an Adventist home and its ministry. And so we addressed, uh, we addressed that one. There were three components, the components of every home has a, a husband, every home has a wife, and every home has a ministry. So we looked at those three things and what they mean. In our last seminar, we looked at uh, challenges that uh, that homes that every home faces, or that most home face most homes face. But I think you can go out and say every home faces, and must overcome. And what we're going to talk about today, um, what we're going to talk about now, are seven secrets to staying together. There's uh, obviously a lot more. You you might be able to summarize them into something less, but we came up with seven because you know seven is a cool number. So that's what we're going to be talking about um, in this uh, in this seminar. Uh, okay, just in a side note to clarify too, these are the what we're sharing are very practical um, because we we talked about the spiritual aspect yesterday, and this is all under the assumption that you know we love God, we're serving, we want to serve Him, and that we're continually looking to Him. So you know these things are very practical um, type things since this, this is like a workshop set, setting. So always be keeping in mind that the most important thing is your spiritual relationship with God and um, that connection with Him. Okay. And from, oh yeah, and taken from Adventist home, believe it or not. Like sometimes it, she, she seems more like sharing principles, but she actually shares a lot of practical things. So these are from her. Okay, the first one is home rules, okay? And we read, we read through Adventist home um, as often as we can. And every time, you know, we, we see new things. And we read in there on page 305, it says, every Christian home should have rules. And so we decided to take that um, literally. So we actually have like rules that in our marriage, 
Okay, and we're going to share some of them, and these are just ideas, you know, they'll be different for your home, they'll be different, for, you know, depending on your different situations, personalities, circumstances, but these are some of the ones um, that we have. I think it's important that the fewer you have, the better, because it, then you can remember, um, and come up with them together, just sit down, write, you know, we talked about it, what, what rules do we want to have in our home, and it's kind of like a sort of accountability. Even though you know you shouldn't do certain things, sometimes just stating it and having that understanding like this is a rule in our home, um, it helps. The first one that we have is the use of language. So um, we actually had to create this rule that there would be no name calling in our marriage, okay? So even like the, the you know, the, the, the not so bad names, you know, like you, jerk or you dummy or you know those things we said we're never going to call each other that even though we're very very angry we're just uh, going to avoid all name calling no yelling you know if it starts escalating you know that's stop um, you know like cursing that you know that may, may not be a problem for, you know for some of us but for some people maybe maybe and just always speaking with respect so actually sitting down you know we sat down and we talked about this mm -hmm. Now, the language thing is, we want to, I want to talk a little bit about that because the language thing is something that many of us overlook. But if you, I've, I've, I've talked to friends, I've talked to pastors, even pastors, um, and I've seen that even in our own relationship sometimes, language is a, a, very, uh, a, a very misused uh, um, tool that we have in our homes. There, there have been uh, even ministers that we, that we know of that have used language, uh, you know, loud language or even cursing in, in, in uh, communicating with their spouses. And this is the point. The point that we're trying to make with this is don't ever think that it is beyond you because you're a Christian to say, hey, I would never, ever, ever do something like that. There could be certain things in, in, that, that will trigger you off after you've been married for a certain amount of time, if you're not careful, that could escalate into something bigger than you imagine. And so we set up as a safety net for ourselves. Listen, never in our relationship is it proper for us to raise our voice at our spouse, to yell at them, to call them uh, bad names, and especially in arguments, or especially to even use foul language, okay? No matter how angry we get or whatever, there's no excuse for it, period. It's so funny because those of you who aren't married are probably like, we would never do that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, you know, surprises happen. Okay, <laughs> the other one that we have is Sorry ends the argument. Now, you don't have to be writing these down. In your mind, even if you're not married, you can be thinking to yourself, like, what are some rules that I could have in my life? So we're just sharing ours just to share, you know, kind of like testimony time. Um, so if they, you think they're helpful to you, you can write them down. But otherwise, you know, whatever works for you, if something triggers something else, you know, feel free. Um, sorry ends the argument. Now, I have this tendency, like, where something happens, you know, Obviously, we hurt each other's feelings, and um, you know, then Israel storms off and he goes to pray, and I'm like, great, you know, he's praying, and I don't even feel, you know, when you're mad, you can't even pray because you feel so guilty. So I'm like sitting there, like, Ugh. and then you know, he's prayed and like reconciled with the Lord, and he, you know, he's trying to come back to the altar, you know, and he's just like, Judy, I'm sorry, but you know, I did not make myself right. So, what's the first thing I say? Sorry, what are you sorry for? You know, and you know what he's, you're thinking is you want him to say, I'm sorry for doing A, B, C, D, and E. And then it's like, I win, right? Because that proves that, you know, he had to say sorry. Anyway, um, <laughs> so 
So we actually made it a rule because I kept doing that and it's so hurtful, you know, because he actually comes to a point of like total surrender and repentance and he's like, I'm sorry. And my reaction, you know, because I'm not ready, I'm not right with the Lord, so I'm just like, okay, like, all right, fine, just never do it again, you know, <laughs> whatever. But sorry ends the argument. So at that point, I, I give him the benefit of the doubt or we give each other the benefit of the doubt, even though I don't even, he, maybe he might not be feeling sorry or I might not actually be feeling sorry. I say it by faith, you know, I'm really sorry about that. And that ends it. We, we reconcile and we, we um, basically that sorry means I'm sorry for every single thing that I did to hurt you and there's no need to explain what for. Okay, so that's one thing for us that's, that comes up a lot. <laughs> um, three, we have like protocol for um, when we start getting heated, what to do. Because when we first got married, see when we were dating we really didn't like get really super duper mad at each other. But after we got, we got married, when we'd get heated, he would like storm out the room. And I was like, oh no, he did not just storm out the room. <laughs> you know, and he would just leave and I would, I would like, I would just be following him like, where are you going? Like, wait, we have to talk about this. We need to communicate, you know? And um, anyway, so we, we, we created, we had to create a rule for ourselves. And that rule is, you know, deciding what we do when we're angry. And for him, he told me, he said, I have to leave and I just need to cool down. And you cannot follow me. Do not follow me, please. <laughs> you know, and he needs, because when you follow me, you don't make sure. So we, we, we talked about that. And so now I know. Um, and well, we never leave the house too. That's another. We we say we're not allowed to leave the house. Okay. Um, <laughs> unless we tell say like, oh, I'm just gonna go shopping and think about it or something. You know, we have to explain. But um, so when I know that when we get into an argument, he'll just say, I need to I need to cool down. And I know that he needs to go away into another room. And that's kind of like my cue. Like, great, I should probably start praying now. And you know, and then we both pray. And then um, when he's ready, he comes to me. So he says, don't go looking after me, because I, I know when I'm ready to cool down. So he leaves, and I just have to sit there like, great. And then, you know, I know that that's my time to cool down, and then he'll come to me. So that's kind of our personal protocol. Um, okay. The other one is don't go to sleep upset, you know. So we always make things right, even though it's like we're laying in bed, we're so mad at each other, and it's like, ah, okay. Let's, you know, let's talk about this, turn on the light, you know. Um, only happy talks after dinner. Particularly, <laughs> you know, because we're all trying to wind down and I always, it's me, I have this tendency to think about all the problems. Or right when he comes home from work, like, oh man, let's like redo our finances right now because, you know, let's do our checkbook and Israel's like, oh no, I don't want to think about that. Or right when we lay down in bed, like the kids are asleep and we're just ready to go to bed, I'll say, hey, let's work on the GYC seminar. <laughs> And he's like, oh, I'm trying to sleep now, or, you know. So we just, after dinner, we cut out all business talk, and it's just positive time for the family. And we don't bring up issues or, or tough things, because then it's hard for us to settle down again, and particularly hard for him to fall asleep, because his mind keeps racing. Um, and, uh, you know, and they can be other things, too, just like, you know, not choosing to be cheerful, or not complain, not nagging, or, you know, different things that that uh, we talked about. Oh yeah, the other one too is we, we made it a rule that to never argue in front of our kids. So it may not be applicable to some of you, but um, you know, it really affects the kids and those of you with kids know that. So if it starts getting heated, we just, we know, we're like, it's done. Um, we talk about after the kids are, we, we put them down for a nap. Sometimes we will even put them down prematurely if it's that serious, you know, like, okay, kids, time for a nap, you know? And then we do get out, you <laughs> know? Not, not do that. So, I, so anyway, the 
point is, you know, I think it's really good and it's helpful for us even to write it down, you know, to talk what, what works for you, what, what really, you know, what will make our home run smoothly. And these are practical things that are specific to your family and your situation. So home rules was number one. Now the home rules are obviously there for, um, our, well, our, our home rules are mostly there for times of conflict. How do we respond when there is conflict in the home? Uh, now, uh, you, you know, you set up your own rules that are, that are specific to your home. Some of the things that we do you might not agree with, like, hey, how could you walk out in the middle of an argument? Don't get the impression that we like, leave and then it takes five hours before we come back. It just sometimes it, it, takes, uh, it takes just getting away from the situation for a few minutes and then coming back to be able to rethink things through without having to talk it over with someone else and just you know, mentally prepare yourself for whatever it is that your responsibility is. Um, so your rules might be different from our rules. The, uh, you know, we're not asking you to mimic our rules. We're just saying that if you want to maintain a happy home, the home must have rules. There, there, there has to be understandings that go both ways, and there has to be commitments and, and contracts both, that go both ways, so that when I respond this way, you know why I'm responding this way, and you know what to do when I'm responding this way. In times of conflict, you might have some that are not in times of conflict, but that's how we set ours up. Number two is, second way is, say yes to privacy, no to secrets. <clears throat> There's a difference in our, in our minds between privacy and secrets. Um, what is uh, the, the, the principle that we draw from this is, uh, C.D. Brooks says in one of his sermons, there are some things you ought not tell anybody except Jesus. Certain challenges in your life, certain things that are going on in your mind, do not give us the freedom, just because they're in there, to just let them out because our spouse is, uh, is, is close to us. There are certain things that we just are, are meant to keep inside our own minds, our own hearts, and explain those things or express those things to Jesus alone. Now, um, certain things, uh, and let's, let's talk a little bit about what these certain things are. Number one is deep personal struggles. Um, my wife is there to be my help meet. And she'll, she'll share with me in my struggles of my everyday life. There are certain struggles, however, that I have in my personal life, certain struggles that she has in her personal life, that no matter what she does in sharing those with me, I'm not going to be able to help her. And in some ways, that struggle might be hurtful, right? So there are certain things that I am to express to Jesus alone. Express to Jesus alone. You can go in your mind and talk about what those struggles are in your mind. I'm not here to tell you that. But there are certain things that you have to tell Jesus alone. And for the spouse, I would say, listen, because your husband or your wife doesn't tell you all of their struggles, doesn't mean that they don't love you or that they're not being open with you or that they're these closed people that are difficult to understand or mysterious. It just means, simply put, certain things that, that are shared with the spouse become a burden on the spouse or become a burden on the relationship. And that burden should be taken to Jesus and to Jesus alone. So that's the a, that's a thing. The other thing, too, is you should not share uh, things that are private when it involves the confidentiality of other people. My line of work, I get to uh, talk with a lot of people about their problems. Uh, the worst thing that I can do is come home to my wife after someone has opened uh, before me struggles that make them vulnerable, and then for me to share that with my wife. That, has, that, that is called gossip. So I had the privilege in my, in my field of work, my field of ministry, to listen to people. And people open up to us. Uh, I'm a lot younger than them. They're older than us. And they're saying, look, we have a problem with our marriage. If I go and share that confidential item, whether or not they tell me, keep this to yourself or not, if I go back and I share that confidential item with my, with my spouse, then the way that my spouse relates to that person is different. I've just gossiped. I've betrayed the confidentiality of another person. 
So sometimes in my, uh, as a minister, when I'm speaking with someone and my wife and I are also prayer partners, I'll say, do you mind if I share this with my wife so that we can pray for you? Common sense will tell you some things you just don't even bring up. You just keep to yourself. So don't gossip. To gossip uh, or to not gossip does not mean that you are, uh, that you are, that you are, uh, that you are holding secrets back. The third thing is when something is hurtful to your spouse. Now, uh, there's, a, there's a fine line between this point when something is hurtful to your spouse. There are certain things that you should communicate to your spouse whether or not they're gonna hurt, you're going to hurt their feelings. If your wife is, or your husband is on their way to, uh, to hell, whether you're going to hurt their feelings or not, you should say something about it. Amen? But there are certain things that you just keep to yourself. Be smart. You don't have to be dumb. You don't have to be... If, if your spouse's breath stinks, you know, if they have B.O. at night, if their feet stink or whatever, you know, perhaps it's not always the best thing to say, you know what, I, I love you so much. I, your feet just stink really bad. Can you go take a shot? There are certain things, you know, you put, up, you put up with certain things. You don't express certain things. You don't explain certain things. If, you're, if they cook a meal and they put everything into it and it tastes nasty, you better not tell them, this is the nastiest soup I have ever had. <laughs> don't tell them. So there are certain things. You use common sense. You use judgment. Certain things that will hurt your spouse and that are not necessarily related to the salvation or the growth of that person, don't communicate those things. You'll find that your home will be happy. Say no to, uh, or say, say no to secrets, but there are certain things that you ought to keep, that you ought to keep uh, private. When do things become a secret? Things become a secret when you intentionally withdraw information uh, that will actually help your spouse, or when you withhold information in order to hurt your spouse, okay? That is what a secret is. A secret becomes a secret when you're going behind your spouse's back. You're doing something behind their back. Um, not wanting them to know. For example, I have this thing. Uh, my wife caught me, so it's on the open already. <clears throat> um, you know, every, every once in a while, I say, hey, Judy, you know, you've been working all day. Why don't you just stay back at home, and I'll go out and do some shopping. I'll take the kids, so I'll take Emmanuel with me. Last time I took uh, Pastor Steve, and he's the one that got us caught. We'll go, and we're, we're, you know, we're, we're doing our thing. And I'll say, hey, Steve, you know, there's a Dairy Queen. Why don't we just pull over, get a little bit of ice cream cone? Kids are coming. You know, you can't have the kids looking without tasting, so I'll get something for the kids too. We come home, and the brother forgets to throw away the cup. You know, so we get caught. We were withholding information from our spouse because we didn't want them to find out. That's a secret. That's different from me going out and say, when was the last time you took a shower? Come on, did you brush your teeth this evening? Did you forget to put deodorant on today? Difference, difference, okay? So don't be secretive with your spouse. But you have to understand that, there are certain, that there's a certain element of privacy in the home for the individual. You don't have to open yourself so much that, uh, that, that, that your spouse knows everything about you and, and things that they don't even need to know about you, okay? Okay. The third one is going to be fairly short, um, but it's showing courtesy. Showing common courtesy. And we kind of talked about this a lot, like I feel we did in the, in the first session. Um, in respect and things like that. But I'm going to read a couple Ellen White quotes from Adventist Home. And um, this is very revolutionary if you think about it, because um, a lot of times we know that, it, you know, it's good to be, we have to be courteous to other people. Like, we'll be very courteous to you if you come to our house or whatever, but we kind of don't, don't think it's a reality or don't think it's expected of us to be courteous, like, 
to our spouses or in the home where nobody's around. Um, but this is what she says. Christian courtesy should reign in every household. It is cheap, but it has power to soften natures which would grow hard and rough without it. The cultivation of a uniform courtesy, a willingness to do by others as we would like them to do by us, would banish half the ills of life. Half the ills of life. So I think that really speaks for itself. Like I can't really explain it better than she just did. So showing common courtesy. You know how there's kind of like that boundary you have with other people? Um, you know when you meet someone you're super nice and kind and you know you wouldn't say anything bad and then you get closer and, and slowly that line of separation, you know, you start, you know, I talked about it before, like the winds of strife, the angels slowly let go, you know, and then, you know, it's like you feel like you're so close. It's because we love each other because we're so close. We like, you know, it, it should be actually the opposite. The more deeper you love someone, the more you should have patience and kindness and courtesy. Um, and that, and you know, in society, it almost seems like it's okay to fight because that's so normal. I mean, and I'm not saying that you know, if you fight, that's horrible, but that should not be the ideal. We should not set our standards so low. You know, ideal should be to show that common courtesy and love um, all the time, and it should develop and develop even more so as you grow closer together. I know that sounds really hard, um, and it is, but that should be our ideal. The other quote um, from page 427. Okay, it says, those who profess to be followers of Christ and are at the same time rough, unkind, and uncourteous in words and deportment have not learned of Jesus. The conduct of some professed Christians is so lacking in kindness and courtesy that their good is evil spoken of. Any negligence, any negligence of acts of politeness and tender regard confirms habits which make the form which make the character unchristlike but if these little things are performed so saying if we if we perform these little acts of courtesy and kindness and politeness they become great things they increase to large proportions and they breathe a sweet perfume in the life which ascends to god as a holy incense so God desires us to be, show that politeness and loving kindness all the time. And, and there, you know, it's a promise here that they'll grow to be great things. Even though it may seem little, it can grow to be great things. On the contrary, if we fail to do that, it'll, it'll grow to be really bad things. You know? So um, just showing that common courtesy, particularly in conflict and arguments, that's when it's the hardest. But that's when we need to really surrender ourselves the most and um, decide that, that um, you know, will be selfless and to, and to work things out in a Christ-like manner. Okay, when we talk about number four, creating a safe environment, <clears throat> we're, looking at, uh, we're looking at having four major things. Number one, when you create a safe environment, a safe environment is a place where fear is eliminated. One, two, there is complete trust. Three, there is total acceptance. And four, it creates the environment that there is no better place like home. Um, We'll come back. We'll come back right to that. So, um, you know, there's there's something that really really struck me with my my oldest boy uh, Manu. Whenever he does something wrong, or whenever he senses that, or whenever he senses that he's done something that I might not like, and I'll call his name. I'll say Emmanuel. He'll say, Daddy, don't spank me. <laughs> He'll say, Daddy, don't spank me. 
And uh, especially if he has nowhere to run, he'll just look at him and say, don't spank me, are you gonna spank me? And he gets, he gets really, really stressed out. Now, usually he's going, he's going at the point in this experience where he has reason to be stressed out, right? He need, there's certain things that he, he, he needs to eliminate. But it hit me, it hit me that in love, right, in love, fear is eliminated. Fear is eliminated. Now, my boy still does not have the ability to understand uh, why it is that we spank him sometimes, so sometimes we don't spank him. Sometimes he doesn't have the ability to understand that if he stops disobeying, that he won't get a spanking. So he doesn't know, many times he doesn't know that the power is in his hands uh, to avoid a spanking. But the point that we're trying to make is that in a home, in a, in a safe environment, fear is eliminated. My wife took the car out one time and um, we got up, when we, we were in the, in the upper peninsula of Michigan, it's like almost, it's like west of Chicago, but it's still part of Michigan. And uh, it gets very cold up there, and we're like way in the boonies. And when we were moving up there from Ann Arbor to, to, to Houghton, Michigan, um, we needed a car. So her dad came and he said, hey, I'll help you guys buy a car. He worked for Ford, and he just retired. Um, and so he, he had a good plan. So we went in there. He was going to give us his uh, employee uh, discount thing. We sit down. And we're looking for our car. We want four-wheel drive because we're in like the snow, and the snow is like tall in the ceiling right now. And um, we sit down. We're talking to this lady, and in my mind, you know, I want like a loaded car. And my wife's like, we want the cheapest, the basis car. And um, we're kind of like struggling. I'm like, man, how am I going to put this across? I want. So I started praying, God, we need a just. I want a loaded car, please, because I want a loaded car. <laughs> Help there to be no base model cars. And uh, we're going in there, and we're looking for the car. We can't find a car. Finally, like uh, her dad says, Do you, what about a floor model? So you know, the floor models are loaded, right? So they said, yeah, we have a floor model. I said, yes, let's get the floor model. At the end of the day, he ended up getting us like a super awesome discount that was below the base model. So it was, we're both happy, right? We got a loaded car below the, the base model. So we're enjoying our car in the UP. There's a lot of snow and, and, uh, and you know, they have in the back, they have those little sensors that go beep, 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 if you're gonna hit something. Apparently the beep, beep, beep didn't work because the snow was clogging it, so my wife reversed into like this yellow pole. She brings it in, yeah, that's what I said, oh, right? You know that. So she brings it in and, she's, and as soon as I get home, she said, Israel, you're gonna be so mad at me. And I said, why, what'd you do, right? And you're like, you're probably right. <laughs> if, you, if you know that I'm gonna be mad at you, you're probably right. And uh, she said, hey, I got in a car accident, and you know, there's a bumper. I knew she was okay, because I can see her, um, and she's all right. And uh, you know, immediately, immediately, I don't know if it's for all guys, but you are like, man, we just ruined the car. It's brand new, whatever, 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 right? But in a safe environment, in a safe environment, fear is eliminated. And the point is this. We've made a commitment in our home that there is nothing too serious that we cannot, uh, that, that, there's, that there's nothing that we can do that is so serious, that the consequences are so bad, that we should be afraid to share with our spouse. Nothing too serious that we should be afraid to share with our spouses. It's come to the point where we've made a commitment, even if things should get so bad that an individual in our home would fall to the worst extent and violate the relationship in the worst form, we should still feel open to bring that up. The environment that you've created is a safe environment. So number one is, in a safe environment, fear is eliminated. Number two, in a safe environment, there is complete trust. What do we mean by complete trusts? There are obvious flaws in my life. There are obvious flaws in the, in the life of my, of my wife. 
flaws that we see in each other from day to day to day. Now, uh, we have, we have in, in our responsibilities, my wife's a teacher, I'm a minister, we're in public view, right? When she goes into the classroom, she has children that look up to her. I have church members that I preach to all the time how they need to be more like Jesus and he's a standard and we need to be like him and we need to overcome ourselves. Yet at home, we're totally different people, right? Not because we're just evil people, it's just because we're struggling humans, right? There are times where I'll get up to preach and as I'm sitting on top of the rostrum, I'm thinking to myself, Israel, the message that you're preaching is not a message that you even live yourself. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to preach this message, God. I don't want to preach this message. People are going to think I'm a hypocrite. My wife knows that I don't do these things. And I feel like such a hypocrite. And I'm thinking, I don't want to say it. And then it just hits Israel. You go up and say it, because if you don't, you're going to be in trouble later on. Judgment time. Not giving my people. It's a solemn responsibility. So what happens is, I know that when I get up to preach, and I preach the message that I'm called to preach, and I, and I, and I perform my duties as I'm called to perform them, that when I get home, even though my life is not always in line with that which I preach because I'm struggling, that there is a safety, that there is complete trust, that I'm not afraid that when my wife is having a conversation with her girlfriends, she's going to bring up, oh yeah, my husband is such a, you know, do you know what he does when he does not preaching? You should see him at home. You know, I know that there's complete trust in our home so that I can be me and so that my struggles will not be exposed to the world. Second one is complete trust. Number third is, number three is, there, there's total acceptance. A spouse should feel comfortable uh, to openly express themselves in a Christian manner in the home. There should be total acceptance. My wife or my husband should know that my love for them, my acceptance of them, is not dependent on how well they cook, how nicely they dress, how beautiful they look but rather on who they are. And who they are is totally acceptable to me. I love them for who they are. They are totally accepted. So number three is a safe environment. People feel safe when they are totally, completely accepted, not based on what they do, but based on who they already are and who you are, the person who is accepting them. And the last one, in a safe environment, there is a sense that there is no better place, no better place to be than home. You know, you go around and, and, uh, and uh, as a young minister sometimes, you, you wonder whether you make the right decisions. You know, you're out there talking to people, telling them to do this, to do that. And you often wonder sometimes if things go bad, did I, did I handle that thing properly? Should I have done it better? And, and all of these challenges. When I'm on, a, on, 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 a, on trips away, the only thing that is on my mind is, let me go in there, do what I have to do so I can get back home. Because home is where I always want to be. And in a safe environment, you should create that magnet that always pulls people back to wanting to be there. So that where, wherever you are, wherever you are, you don't want to be anywhere else except home. That is what it means to create a safe environment. Oh, I'm still on. Lucky, you can do the next one too. Lucky for you. Number five is understanding differences. Understanding differences. To have a happy home, guys, we need to understand that there are, that differences exist between people, okay? Differences exist between people. Um, first of all, what I'm going to say in this thing, along this line is, don't treat your spouse the way you want to be treated. Do not treat your spouse the way you want to be treated. Treat them better. Treat them better. This is what I mean. Like, there are certain things in my life that I like, I'm thinking like, if Judy just does this, I'm all set. So what I say, so what I think to myself is, hey, if this is what I want, this is what she wants too. 
So we, we, have, a, we have this thing in our house where we collect letters from, uh, that we write to each other, important letters, nice letters, valuable letters that we, that we collect from each other and we keep them in a safe place and we review them every once in a while. We were laughing one day because we pulled out a piece of paper, it was just like a crumbly piece of paper and uh, it was actually written on old GYC letterhead that we had. And it was Judy's birthday, she was still sleeping, I was heading out on a trip and I realized 10-4. You know, those of you who are here in the last seminar know it was 10-4, and I'm thinking to myself, that's my wife's birthday. And I thought to myself, man, I didn't buy her anything. And you know, if you forget my birthday, I can care less. I prefer that you forget my birthday. Something, you know what, no big deal, no big deal. So I thought, well, I gotta do something special. You know, I can't just not do anything special. So I'm thinking, man, what do I do? And I'm trying to, you know, plan out in my mind what I can do. I'm, I'm on my way out. I'm on my way to the airport, so I don't have a lot of time, so I'm thinking, Good thing that I have the gift of thinking quickly, right? So I'm, thank you, Jesus. I can, I'm going to think something up real smooth just before I leave. Open the freezer, and I see it there. You know, it hits me. There, do you guys remember the, mo the Morning Star Philly cheesesteak grillers? <laughs> They're discontinued. Things were the best things in the world. So I open up, and I see it, and I say, this is my favorite, this is my favorite griller. So what I'm going to do is... I'm gonna give this griller to my wife. So, <laughs> write that down, guys, write that down. <laughs> so I quickly open the drawer, pull out GYC letterhead, and I say, you know, dear beautiful, <laughs> happy birthday, just want you to know, I was gonna eat the griller, <laughs> but as your birthday present, I decided not to eat it. Please enjoy. Love Israel. I took off. And I thought to myself, I treated her the way I would have wanted. I mean, if I would have woken up and I would have known that griller was there, that's my day. My day is happy. My day is happy. So I figured, hey, she's going to be super happy. Good thing I had a long trip. <laughs> so, kids, there's differences. People are different. In your mind, you think, hey, if I treat my wife this way, if I treat my husband this way, they're going to respond the way I respond. So the key is, the safe thing to do that, the way to, ma to maintain happiness is, just don't. Don't do that. You think they're going to make them happy? You better go five, six, seven, eight steps beyond that, unless you have my gift, where you always see it around the spot every time. <laughs> All right? Um, so, remember that people are different. Don't treat them the way you want to be treated. Treat them differently. The other thing that I want to talk about this is that love is expressed and received in many different ways. You've already heard the book, read the book, the, the five love languages. There's acts of love, acts of service, quality time, words of affirmation, physical touch, and gifts. Now, this is a tendency that we have. The tendency that we have is to demonstrate love to others the way we like to be loved, right? Or the way that we like to be affirmed. And, uh, the key to maintain happiness in the home is to not do that, but rather to figure out what it is that makes your spouse happy and to feed them in that way so that they'll feed you in the way that you feel best, right? My, um, when, you know, my, my, my thing is the way I demonstrate love is by, by uh, buying stuff, gifts. That's the way I express my love. Um, I don't know how I receive my love, but that's the way I express Like, if I buy something for you, that's my way of saying, hey, I really appreciate you. I really, you know, I'm just really happy that you're in my life, et cetera, et cetera. My wife, uh, my wife doesn't receive love that way. 
You know, she doesn't receive love that way. As a matter of fact, that sometimes it creates hatred, right? <laughs> so, but my thing is, hey, that's the way I show my love. So whether you like it or not, this is what you're going to get. You know what I mean? This is what you're going to get. So I'd go out and i just like spend all of my money, just boom. I would not take a shower when we were married. I wouldn't buy any shampoo. I'd go to the hotels and just break it up into many different pieces and take it out and put it in my bag if I was staying there for a long day so I can keep on getting new, uh, you know, free shampoo. And I would use it during the day so I wouldn't have to pay for it. Then save all my money up. Here's your gift. And then when we first got married, we bought our home. I'm buying my wife, buying my wife all this stuff. And then for um, when we got married, before that, I w we, her parents gave me a, 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 a full-size bed, you know, because I was sleeping on an air mattress, because I was going to buy her a gift, right? So <laughs> her parents gave me a, a full-size bed. So when we got married, we just brought in the full-size bed, right? And then it wasn't working out because, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big guy, and I have long arms, and when it's time to sleep, man, I like to sleep, like, you know. <laughs> and so... Um, you know, so we have this bed, and I said, Judy, we just need to get a bed. You know, we need to get a bigger bed. It'll, you know, we spend most of our life on our bed. You know, we sleep long. Let's just get a good bed. And so finally, we convinced, I convinced her to get a bed, but I wasn't able to convince her to get a king. We got a queen. Those of you guys who aren't married, get a king, right? Get a king. <laughs> so we get a queen, and they're moving it in. And I said, Judy, this is so great. This is so great. So they move it into the room, and I'll say, look, time to go to bed. I'll tell you what, you sleep on the queen, the brand new queen, I'll sleep on this one. We'll just put them right next to each other. Yeah, there's a little bit of a height difference, but you chill here and I'll chill here, all right? Not realizing that, hey, that, hey. Like we just got married. What makes, what makes my wife feel loved is when she is held as she is going to bed. And so what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, the problem, if we want to find out, if we want to maintain happiness in the relationship, find out immediately. Find out immediately what it is that makes your spouse happy. How it is that your spouse feels loved. And make sure that you fulfill her love or his love in that way and not in the way that you like to share it okay not in the way you like to share it okay the number six okay let me I have to I have to mention this just because I'm kind of embarrassed about this next title um, it was gratitude appreciation and contentment but then Israel thought it would be so neat to have an acronym and so he was like, we should make it gas. <laughs> satisfaction. So he's like, contentment, satisfaction, same thing. So, so the byline was supposed to be fueling love, not, not making, making it stink. stink. <laughs> and I was just so embarrassed. I, I couldn't even believe it. I was almost going to do it just to embarrass him, but, you know. So you did. I did, yeah, I, I actually did. Okay, so the, the, number six is gratitude, appreciation, satisfaction. Um... Okay, I'm just going to talk about appreciation a little bit here. Um, I think it's much, I think it's really important, particularly for women. I'm not sure if it is for men. I, I know men want to feel appreciated, but this is something like very near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm going to read this one quote, and I feel like it completely, um, you know, culminizes and summarizes like my life, like the wife of a mother and uh, of a wife. Okay, it's on page 217, Adventist Home. 
It says, kind, cheerful, and encouraging words. Like my, my highlight would have been like encouraging words, encouragement, appreciation, whatever, will prove more effective than the most healing medicines. These will bring courage to the heart of the desponding and discouraged. And the happiness and sunshine brought into the family by kind acts and encouraging words will repay the effort tenfold. Okay, and this is what I mean by that. Um, so by now you all know that I love to clean, okay, secrets out. And so I, I don't know why I'm so, I think it's because we have a dog and two cats. By the way, dog, whole separate story. We talked about the cats, okay. His dog is more crazy than my two cats. Can I get an amen out there? Okay, thank you. All right, so we have, we have three, we have three. Focus. Okay, so we have three three pets at home, so I always, you know, and then we have little kids, you know, so they're all crawling around, so I, I vacuum, like, obsessively. Anyway, um, so I'll be cleaning and cleaning and cleaning, and I'm thinking to myself, like, man, Israel is so lucky to have a wife like me who cleans all the time. You know, like, the kids would have been sick by now, you know, they would have had all sorts of bacteria and diseases, you know, from the pets, and I, you know, I wash the pets and everything. Anyway, um, but then, you know, on the flip side, there you get to a point where you start getting really, um, irritated about it like I'm the only one cleaning why doesn't he feel the need to clean like I do like you know if I'm gone for a while I you know he'll say oh I'll take care of the kids I'll take care of the house I come home it's like a wreck I'm like you take care of the kids you didn't take care of the house at all you know and so so I do a lot of times you can get into this mode where you're doing things around the house or you're cleaning you know for me it's like doing all these chores taking out the trash because he forgot or whatever and you just start getting more and more and more and more and more and more bitter okay um, <laughs> however, and then there, it, gets, it comes to a point where it culminizes in one of two ways. One, I just, I just cannot handle it anymore, and I'll just be like, can you just take out the trash? You know, or can you just, I'll, I'll write like a things to do list, because like, I'm really about things to do list, and I'll write the whole thing and like stick it on the fridge, like you need to go see the fridge right now, you know, and I'll try to like mobilize the house, <laughs> you know, Emmanuel, you sweep, and anyway, but there are, an, or, what will happen is Israel will come to me and he'll just stop me. He'll say, stop, stop, stop. Because I'll be going frantic, you know? He'll be like, I really appreciate everything that you do and I know you're so tired. Like, just go get a massage. You know, or he'll say something like that to that effect. And what does that make me want to do more? It actually makes me want to, to do what I'm doing even more. Like, it, it gives me like that energy to say, he appreciates, he knows, he notices all these things that I'm doing. I want to do it more. And I actually end up doing it cheerfully, believe it or not. You know, I'm like, I don't need a massage. You know, like otherwise I would have been like, you better give me a massage, you know. <laughs> but in him just showing that appreciation and that, and that acknowledgement of what I'm doing, like I know, I noticed that you even wipe the windows with Windex. Or, you know, just notice, even just the fact that he noticed, which is like a miracle because he's not very, I mean, okay, I shouldn't say negative, right? <laughs> Um, just having that appreciation and those kind words motivates me to want to, like, I don't really, it's not a burden anymore. It's a delight, is my point. So, um, I'm sure it's the same for men, but particularly for, for women. Just, husbands, show appreciation to your wives. And, I, and that, ch that chapter is actually, it's actually talking about the husband to the wife. It's showing consideration for a feeble wife. Now, you know, I'm not saying we're feeble, but at times we can get very feeble if we're burdened down and bogged down. But just that small boost, that appreciation, letting them know, even in the midst of seeing them like a wreck, just saying, you know, 
you are the hardest worker I know. And Israel tells me that all the time, you're the hardest worker I know. You know, you just need a break. And that just makes me want to go, it gives me like energy to want to do it even more and it becomes a delight. So showing appreciation um, and, what was that other one? Okay, and, and another way that we do it, Israel talked about it, I'll, I'll briefly share it, is that we, um, in the evenings, we started doing this thing where um, we appreciate each other at night, like in bed. <laughs> and so we come up with three things that, that are like specific to that day. So it's not like, oh, because you're so nice, or oh, because you know, you're so sweet. We actually think about three specific things that we really appreciated about that person that we didn't tell them the whole day. It's kind of like, I notice it, and I don't want him to know I noticed it, or he may not know, and then at night I'll save it. And then I let him know. And we're both very surprised, like, wow, you actually noticed that I did that small thing or you appreciated that thing. So we appreciate each other every night um, because we needed to appreciate each other more. That It all arose because we had this challenge. And then our card box. So it's hidden away be- under our beds. We actually have our two card boxes. Daniel, don't come over and be looking under our bed. <laughs> Just you better not hear your wife. <laughs> my lines, bro. <laughs> yeah, so, um, and we read it to each other because that kind of affirms us, and, and we, and every time it's a special occasion, he knows that more than any gifts, I just like a nice letter. You know, I just want to, well, like, I just want to know he thought about it and wrote out something really nice. And so we read, um, you know, from the different holidays or whatever, we'll just pick one out and just read it before bed. And it, it, it helps affirm, you know, knowing that, hey, he still feels the same way about me. He still appreciates me the same way. Even before I had kids, even before, you know, we were married, we st- he still loves me. And um, just having that affirmation, I think, is really important. Um, the number seven is invest in your marriage. Invest in your marriage. You know, we, um, we sometimes we don't realize that putting money into the bank of our marriage right now will make sure that we are secure during difficult times later on. Marriages will have ups and downs. You know, every marriage has difficult times, that, rough times that it has to go through. And the key is that if you invest now, little and big investments that when difficult times come through, you'll have enough money in the bank to make sure that you're, that you're set off. You understand what I'm trying to say? In our, in our home, we have uh, certain quality things that we like to do uh, that, that are for us investment into our marriage and one another. We have a couple of traditions that we want to just share with you. Number one is, and a little bit of advice, number one is something that we did early on in our marriage was we chose early the different things that drive us. The different things that drive us. Now, uh, both of us come from very, very busy uh, type of lifestyles where we're out a lot, we're doing stuff a lot, and, um, and, and so the time that we get to spend together is usually, you know, kind of very rushed. You know, come home from work, she's, she's got a lot of things that need to get done, I got a lot of things that need to get done, and so the time that we spend together is not, is not, is not always a lot of time. So what we did is, from the very beginning, we sat down and we said, hey, what are things that just drive us? Things that just make us move forward. And there are certain things that we describe. Number one is, I, I love scuba diving. Um, I, got, I got certified scuba diver like a few years ago, and I just, I mean, I could just save up all my money and just invest it in that, go scuba diving. I just love doing that. I love being in the water. And for our honeymoon, we, I took her scuba diving because I knew that I got to get it into it early, otherwise it's going to be difficult later on. And then she loved it. She got hooked. She saw a little sea turtle, and it was it. Boom, right? <laughs> so she liked scuba diving, too. So we decided, hey, 
these are the things that, we, that we'll enjoy doing together. And the fact that we have that, that we said, hey, we're scuba divers, even though we've only gone like once. It's just kind of like, it's just kind of like, that's kind of like something that we have together, that we enjoy together, that it's part of like who we are, our family. The other thing that we, that we like to do is um, we like to travel, right? Um, our responsibilities have taken us all around the world, and we enjoy that, but we enjoy it most when we're able to kind of go together. So all the money that we save up, all the money that we save up, we try to save up so that if I'll ever go on a, on a, on a trip somewhere, that we can use enough of that money to bring the family along. And we'll spend a little bit of like an extra day or two just having time there together. We like to travel, so we'll try to save up our money and use it for scuba diving or for traveling. The other thing that we like to do that we recently did, and I know you guys are gonna think this is kind of funny, but if you wanna be smooth, wives love this, is scrapbooking. <laughs> And you don't have to be a girl to scrapbook, guys. You don't have to be a girl to scrapbook. Steve, you better get up into that, bro. So we like scrapbooking. So we'll, we'll you know, we'll, um, we'll, we'll do a little bit of some scrapbooking together, cut stuff out. I guess my, my artsy side of working up by nature, I like to do very artsy type of things. I could have been a hair designer or like a, you know, interior decorator or whatever. But, you know, society doesn't allow us men always to express ourselves fully without them judging us. So. You know, we have to, we have to um, we have to be careful. So that's, I went into the ministry instead. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. So that's what we like to do. We like to scrapbook. We actually like to make cards. So um, you know, you guys that are making fun of me, you guys will never get a card. But we'll do we'll do our own little cards. That we actually got the idea from the Rosar the Mrs. Just Rosario, not not necessarily Yamil. So those are the things that we like to. That's how we like to spend our time together. The other thing that we do is uh, immediately, I have a calendar in my home that is for the whole year, and the very, one of the very first things that I do when I get the calendar is I look at it when it's still blank, and I draw a big black line through two weeks of that calendar, and I'll say, this is my vacation time. This is my vacation time. And what happens, I do that first because once I know that there is vacation this year, that there is a time where I will have the ability to spend with my family, that fuels me through my non-vacation time to work hard so that I can enjoy that when it comes. So that when vacation time comes around and you try to call me to do this or do that, I'm not even going to answer my phone, right? So I automatically draw out vacation time. Judy automatically draws out vacation time. And we draw out days off. I take one day a week off. Judy takes one day a week off. And that is no matter what happens, unless it's an emergency, that's my time off. So we have outlined in our relationship which times we have for sure that are going to be quality time unless something dramatic, an extreme emergency that cannot be dealt with the next day comes up. So number one is choose early things, your united pursuits, things that both of you enjoy doing, fully enjoy doing together. Number two is schedule time and the things that you like to do during that time. So we schedule when and what we're going to do. We schedule vacation times schedule family time once a week. We schedule family time, you know, two weeks out of the year. And then we also schedule um, things that are more regular. You know, you only get vacation twice a year or once a year, two weeks, two weeks out of the year. So, you don't, you know, on top of that, we schedule things that we can do regularly. Little things that we can do regularly that keep us going through until we reach that vacation time. So, what Judy already told you, what we like to do is before we go to bed, we like to end our day on a positive note. You know, you're constantly facing just challenges after challenges after challenges all day. So after dinner time, we say, you know what, this is the last. You want to say something negative, say it before dinner served. Because after dinner served, this is it. Let's only talk about happy things. 
you know, um, the house looks nice, thank you for cleaning it up. You look nice, thank you for dressing up. You know, thank you for whatever, whatever, whatever. It's just thank you, thank you, thank you. Happy, 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 happy. So that when you go to bed, when you go to bed, you can actually sleep, guys. Trust me, you don't do this, guys, your life is over. <laughs> over, right? Your life is over. And your wife will be unhappy. You will be unhappy. So we schedule in the evening time, when the last thing that we like to do is we like to just sit up in bed, talk to each other, appreciate each other, or do whatever it is, we try to end on a happy note. Nothing negative. Something's coming up and it's about to be negative. We'll stop. I'll say, Judy, stop. She'll say, Israel, stop. This can tend. We keep on talking about this. This can take a negative turn. So let's just end it. Okay, let's end it. Your hair looks nice. Whatever. <laughs> okay? So the other thing that we did is we, we, have, we set up traditions. Uh, some of the traditions we're not going to tell you about, not because they're like shady or whatever private. It's just there's something about keeping things secret. Like I love keeping things secret. I don't like to talk about everything that we do just because it, it, to me it adds to the excitement that other people don't know. And you're like, haha, they don't know, right? <laughs> but there's something we'll share with you some things. Like one of the traditions that we have is we both have different backgrounds. Uh, we both have different backgrounds. I come from a Mexican background. She comes from a Korean background. And so what we did is we set up traditions from our cultures to bring into our homes. So every, uh, every week, we have a, a time where I'll make Mexican food, and we'll enjoy our Mexican food together. And every Friday, just before we welcome in the Sabbath, we have this whole big thing that kind of goes around. Our worship is different. We'll bring out instruments for the kids that they can play with. Our song service is longer. The kids just have a good time playing the instruments and singing and whatever. When we eat meal, we buy some special mango juice, and we get these cups that Kevin Paulson bought for us that have, like, gold on them. And uh, we broke to them, so if you want to give us some, you know, we'll give you our address. You can mail them. Make, you can be part of our Sabbath tradition. So we get out these cups that are from, like, you know, Know, the temple of Israel back in the day and we use them we get some exotic mango juice and we drink mango juice my favorite juice and then we get uh, we make these like sushi rolls and we have a special we call it the Sabbath roll we it's a special recipe and it is symbolic of creation we have you know some avocados green you know life creation it's got a little bit of some <laughs> carrot in it light so we have you know we have our own little Sabbath roll and, we, and every Sabbath, every Friday night, when we're welcoming the Sabbath, when we're welcoming the Sabbath, we pull out the Sabbath sushi rolls, you know? And we'll eat those together and we enjoy it. So these are little traditions that we have that we look forward to every day. The sushi roll is my favorite thing in the whole world now. And whenever I'm away, I always look forward to it. You know, I think to myself, now Sabbath, my children, my wife are at home. I might not be with them, but they're eating this. And I can be a part of that. So we have certain traditions that we've set up that we, that we, that we look forward to. And it, it just, it just it's, it's huge, huge, huge time in which people come together. And you look forward to those things. So we set up quality time. We set up pursuits that we like to do together. We set up traditions. And we set up regular ways of expressing appreciation. You don't always have to express appreciation by, um, by having intimacy, lovemaking, or, or making out, or whatever. It doesn't always have to be that way. You know what I mean? You, 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 you bring depth to that. By doing that, yes. By doing that as often as time provides, of course. But also by, also by doing these other little things that bring strength to the relationship from a different perspective. Okay, we're almost about to wrap up, but the last point to investing in your marriage is called, um, it's titled Marriage Mentors. And I think this is really important. You know, oftentimes after you get married and you start experiencing those struggles, or even when you're dating maybe, you start experiencing struggles and you don't know who to turn to. Because if you go to your parents, 
you know, of course, they're going to always be on your side. If you go to your friends, they're always going to go to your side. Um, so Israel and I, we early made a commitment while we were dating even that whenever we had issues, we would never tell our family or we wouldn't tell anyone except for Dr. Pippin who was our mentor at the time. Um, and so he was like our counselor because we knew, like I actually made the mistake too, I, I, I unloaded to my friends and um, he was so hurt by that. He's like, why did you tell, you know, he felt so betrayed and then he explained to me, you know, you know, if we have problems, let's keep it between ourselves or have one neutral person there um, and we could all talk about it together. So it, I think it's really important to have marriage mentors, neutral couples, um, who you can, who you know you can turn to, you feel comfortable talking to, like for us the Conways, you know, we really look up to them, and we know we can just talk to them about anything, you know, and they will give us advice, and we are not self-conscious about, you know, <laughs> like our struggles. Um, but choose couples, or choose people that you know you can go to, particularly if you have like a humongous problem, if you can't work it out between you, yourselves, and God, you know, go to someone, and don't be afraid to go seek counsel you know, from a spiritual person. I think sometimes we, we're so embarrassed about it, but it's such a normal part of growing in your marriage. Um, and the other thing is just continuing education. See, I think it's because I come from an educational background. I taught. So I'm all about like education, keeping yourself educated and informed. Um, you know, before, yesterday I talked about wives. Sometimes we like lose it, we get married, like, oh, whatever. No, keep sharp, stay sharp. Stay on top of your stuff. Um, for us, for our marriage, and that's even in your marriage life. Like I do my own thing for child rearing because I feel like as a mother, I, I study, like I read all these books. I have, you know, in my mind, my agenda is how to be a better mother. And then between the both of us, we have our own thing where reading Adventist Home, we try to read it, you know, every year. Um, sometimes late at night, or not late at night, like when we're in bed, we'll just turn on like a DVD and like, a, what are those things called? Like improving your marriage, like like CDs, we'll just listen to it in bed, or you know, it's not all the time because um, you know we just don't have time for that. But whenever we get an opportunity, we make it a point, like, hey, let's li let's listen to this, or let's just order these tapes and watch it once a month, or whatever. Um, and just and even even if you have opportunity, like where you have a couple come to you, a younger couple. Take that time to counsel them, you know, because we're so blessed. Because he's a pastor, it's like kind of automatic. Couples will come to us, um, and we're able to counsel a couple too. And in, in just knowing that you're counseling these people, you it strengthens your own marriage. Because a lot, of, even even opportunities like this, Israel will say something, you know, how much he appreciates me or something that I didn't really know. He never told me that before. So I think to myself, wow, he actually thinks that about me, you know. And it strengthens the marriage, being able to talk together and share with others your experience. So just continue working at it. Um, even if you started off and it seems perfect, keep at it and make it a habit to do these things and the Lord will really bless. Thank you all for coming uh, and for spending this time with us. We hope that it's been helpful in some way and that it's been strengthening in your journey. Why don't we end with a word of prayer? <clears throat> Father in heaven, we're so thankful for happiness and we're thankful that you are the giver of happiness. Mm -hmm. We're thankful, Lord, that you give us spouses, special people in our lives that are there to draw us closer to you. Mm -hmm. Help us, Father, to take full advantage of these individuals, to realize that they are gifts from you, and to not take them for granted, but to thank you for them every day of our lives. And we ask for these gifts in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, 
please visit www.audioverse.org.